You know what that familiar theme song means. That's right, friend. It's time for another conversation at the Radio Backyard Fence. This is Chris Fabry Live. And boy, do we have something good for you today. From one year ago, about a week before Christmas last year, we presented The Night Before Christmas, spelled K-N-I-G-H-T. And the question I asked then was, what was the first Christmas present you remember giving as a child? So I ask you that today, as you listen here a week before Christmas 2023, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I ask that question? It may not be the very first thing you ever gave, but what is your memory of a gift that you gave when you were a child? Who did you give it to? What was their reaction to it? What was your reaction to giving it? The answers to those questions, I think, tell a lot about you and me, and we're going to see that giving is an important part of who God is. That's what we'll consider on this command performance of Chris Fabry Live. You might hear a phone number today. You might hear dated information. (gasps) Disregard that. Don't pay any attention to it whatsoever. (laughs) Give us a little grace, too, okay? Let me thank our team working hard behind the scenes. The elves, Ryan McConaughey and Trisha McMillan, uh, they, they work really hard all year round. Nobody's answering the phones today because we're taking some time off here at the end of the year. That's one of the things I look forward to at Christmas. Uh, I am in show mode most of the year. I'm thinking about conversations we have, stories to tell. I'll be standing in line at the grocery store and I'll think, oh, we should do something, you know, and that's good. But at Christmas, especially the last two weeks of the year, I I have I have to just be me. Or I don't have to, but I choose to, which is which is a gift I think to be able to let down, to go out of that mode, to be all there, to be where I am, instead of filtering my life through the lens of productivity. Uh, it's you have to intentionally flip a switch in order to do that, and usually it. <laughs> Usually it takes me a couple of weeks, so I'm back in the mode by the time, you know, you know what I am I mean. You have to do that. I used to beat myself up for that, you know, and think I'm, I'm a bad person because, and then I realized, no, th- this is just the way things are, and it's kind of the way I'm made. It's the way I cope with all the things that come at me every day. We are staring 2024 in the face, friends. I don't know I don't know why I do this every year. We get to December and I look at the fact that December is a big month for us as far as as support and I wonder how's that going to happen and what if it doesn't? And then I come back to the truth that God's work done in God's way will never lack God's resources. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So today would you call with your best Guernsey? <laughs> what if we had to do that instead of clicking through a website or or calling a phone number? You had to put a rope around your cow and walk it to Chicago. That wouldn't be, <laughs> we'd get very little support if we did that. But if you give a gift in uh, December here at the end of the year and are generous with us, we'll send you a copy of a novel that I've been working on, Saving Grayson. It's a, a story from my heart to yours. I hope it captures your imagination. Call 866-95-FABRY. 866-953-2279, or go to chrisfabrylive.org. You can give right there, chrisfabrylive.org. And thank you for being a friend or a partner with us here on Chris Fabry Live. What was the first gift you remember giving? 
Mary says, I gave my younger brother, he was four, I was five, a 19-cent hammer. (laughs) He loved it. Nicole, one of our first Christmases as a blended family, I remember giving my new older stepbrothers a tube of BBs and a plastic football player piggy bank. Lola, I'm embarrassed to say this now as a grown woman, but when I was seven years old, I was able to gather enough change to gift my mom with a packet of bobby pins. I was so proud because it took me a while to gather enough money to purchase them through allowance or earning change for extra chores. It was a sacrifice of love. My mom used bobby pins on her hair back then, but she was always losing them. In my seven-year-old mind, it was a needed and practical gift. I love that, Lola. Thank you. Today, I want you to hear a a little uh, from uh, other people who are listening you as you answer that question, we're going to take your phone calls. But first, I have a story to tell. We're going on a trip to my childhood to hear about the first gift I remember buying for someone else. Christmas evokes such strong memories in each of us. Some are rich and warm like a cup of hot chocolate after a slide down a snowy hillside. Some memories are more difficult people we miss, mistakes we made, gifts that didn't hit the mark, or a gift we discounted that we didn't realize would mean so much to us later. This is my night before Christmas story. I will tell it to you from my perspective with my memories as the only guide, because the only other person who knows about this story is gone. My mother took me with her on excursions, shoe stores, grocery stores, restaurants, and shopping centers. This was the early to mid-1960s, and there was no mall nearby. The interstate wasn't finished. So we took the long, winding route from the farm to the town of St. Albans, West Virginia. Gene Autry sang on the radio about the most famous reindeer of all. Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitz. It's the most wonderful time. Andy Williams and Perry Como crooned. And there was excitement in the air about the Peanuts special, a Charlie Brown Christmas. They were going to re-air it that year. There was a church we attended nearby, and on Sunday afternoons we would stop at the BBF for burgers and fries, Or we'd go to another restaurant and get a bucket of chicken and take it home. Near those restaurants was a shopping center. And the Anchor Store, the reason most people came to it, was a bakery. And in the bakery sat a huge mechanical draft horse. You put in a penny and the horse galloped along. I had to be lifted up onto it. It was so huge I couldn't crawl up there. And I hung on for dear life. The horse is a tactile memory. How wide the saddle, how tall the horse. But the overwhelming sensory experience in that anchor store was the aroma of freshly baked bread and cookies and cakes and brownies and every other delectable delight imaginable. The moment the door opened, you entered a different world, a mixture of dough and yeast and sugar and chocolate that enveloped you like a warm blanket. 
Two doors down from the bakery, again, this is my memory, two doors down the sidewalk from that little corner of heaven was a gift shop, drugstore, dime store. I have no idea the name, but I can see watches and wallets and keychains and trinkets on rotating carousels, scarves and gloves, boxed candies, chocolate-covered cherries, jewelry, necklaces, fake pearls. My mother was there for something, and I wandered through this cornucopia of potential gifts. I had never bought a present for my mother. I had never entered into the space of giving, of feeling the desire inside to find the perfect present that came from inside one person and reached out to another to say, I see you, I know you, I love you. And here is the token that shows how deeply I care and understand what you mean to me. Something at eye level stopped me in my tracks. My mouth fell open. It's perfect, I thought. It was a statue, about as tall as a large coffee mug. The base was black plastic, and on top of the base, in regal stature, was the figure of a knight in armor. The visor was down so you didn't see any face. You just saw the knight standing tall with his sword pointed down into the plastic base. Upon closer inspection, the sword bowed. It curved inward a little, so the effect to the untrained eye was that this was something cheap. I, however, had a trained eye for such things, and I picked up the knight and looked underneath at the white stick-on price with the store's logo. $1.99. With inflation, that's about 10 bucks today, in case you're wondering. I had to have it. But I didn't covet the night for myself. I wanted it for my mother. It was, to me, the perfect gift. It showed how much I cared, how much I thought of her. And it was instantaneous, from the gut. I didn't even have to think about it. I just knew. The problem was, I had very little money. I had change in my pocket. And I knew, instinctively, though math challenged, I didn't have a $1.99. So that was an insurmountable price for me at five years of age. What to do? I could ask her for money, but then she's going to want to know why I need that much. And I desperately want the experience of seeing her open the package on Christmas morning. I want to see the surprise, the joy, the gratitude. Come on, Chris, we need to go to the bakery. I walked away from the night display, not wanting her to see what I was viewing. The shelf was full of them, but there was no way I was going to chance asking my father to bring me back later to buy one. This is the type of gift that sells out quickly, I was sure. I had to think fast. I knew that stealing was wrong. She would not want me to put it under my coat and walk out, but what could I do? She opened the door. The bell rang above. Come on, Chris. I followed her, looking back over my shoulder, counting the people on the sidewalk and wondering if they might go in and buy those last few nights before I could return. I had to figure out how to get back there and buy the night. And you'll hear the rest of the story of the night before Christmas 
straight ahead on Moody Radio, and then we're going to hear from a year ago. We're going to hear people responding to that question. What was the first present you remember giving? Merry Christmas from all of us at Chris Fabry Live. More straight ahead on Moody Radio. Now we continue with The Night, K-N-I-G-H-T, Before Christmas. A true story from your friends at Chris Fabry Live. I was forced to leave the night statue in the drugstore dime store and follow my mother down the sidewalk and into the bakery with great anxiety building because I feared I would not be able to give one of those nights to my mother on Christmas morning. Inside the bakery, the aroma overwhelming me, I hatched a foolproof plan to keep my intentions a secret. She would never know until Christmas morning. I tugged at her coat. Mama, can I have two dollars? She turned. What for, honey? Do I lie? Do I tell her an untruth? It felt almost as bad as stealing. There's something I want to get for Christmas. Well, Christmas is almost here. Let's wait and see what's under the tree on Christmas. No, it's not for me. I'm not buying it for myself. It's for someone else. Who, she said. And then she got a look on her face, a look of recognition, a look that told me she had solved the puzzle. The look that I realize now was her cracking the code of my secret plan. She reached in her purse and pulled out two one-dollar bills. I'll be right back, I said. And she let me go. Now, I have no idea if she walked out of the bakery and watched me that day. And you could scold her looking on from your perch today in the 21st century and say, that was terrible. You should never have let him go into a store alone and down the sidewalk. But it was a different time. Those were different days. And I was in search of a different night. To my surprise and thrill, all of the nights I had left on the shelf were still there. I chose the best one. I took it to the cash register and handed it to the cashier. I don't know if she wrapped it in tissue to hide it further in the bag, if she knew it was a gift, or if my furtive glances toward the door told her things only a cashier can intuit. But moments later, I walked out of that store and into the bakery carrying my prize, the perfect present. Did you get what you needed? I nodded vigorously, holding the package behind me. She paid for the baked goods, and we went to the car. Later, with the door locked at home and a fresh roll of wrapping paper and scissors and weathered scotch tape that had turned a yellowish-brown color, I wrapped the night. Because of its random shape, the edges weren't square. I had seen enough well-wrapped packages to know that this was not one. But that didn't deter me, because no matter how crumpled the paper— I knew that on Christmas morning, I would experience the thrill of giving the perfect present. I put it under the tree with the other presents already there. 
Every year, we would hike onto the hill behind our farm and find the pine tree that most looked like it needed to be put out of its misery. And we would drag it back to the house and nail two-by-fours into the bottom and string the World War II-era lights and garland and tinsel. There was an added thrill for me this year because Christmas always seemed like something other people planned. As a child, Christmas was something that happened to you. It was out of your control. But for the first time, I was being a part of it. I was in on the surprise, not just an observer or receiver. I, I was in the pool, swimming around. Christmas morning, I raced out of my room and made it to the tree. There were new presents underneath to create the illusion of what I had suspected, but I will not go there. And there it was, the carefully wrapped present I would give my mother. Usually the big presents were held till the end, but I could not wait. I sprang to the tree, I grabbed the package and handed it to her. With surprise, she exclaimed, For me? Where did you get this? At the store next to the bakery. She smiled broadly and stole a glance at my father, who returned the smile. She carefully opened the wrapping paper, trying not to damage what was inside. And when she got the present in full view, here is where I lose touch with the memory. I don't recall the actual events. I don't know if my brothers laughed or how they reacted, if they reacted at all. But this was 56 years ago, okay? I don't recall if my mother gushed and said what I've always wanted. But here is what I do remember. My mother kept that night on a bookshelf near her bedroom. And years later, we would laugh at the memory I just told you about. And when I married and started a family of my own, just before Christmas one year, a package came. And inside was the telltale writing from my mother's hand, a card that said, Merry Christmas. And the card was taped to something crudely wrapped, and I opened it and saw the plastic night that I had given her all those years earlier. The next year, you can guess what happened. She got a package with a card and a neatly wrapped plastic night, and that continued until a few years ago. We laughed a lot about that gift, about the night before Christmas. Did that spark any memories for you today? There's something about the innocence of a child grasping for the first time the power of a gift and trying to harness that and not quite getting it, but trying. Susan says it all. Harris in spring, one dollar, ode de perfume to mom. <laughs> Alan said, I bought Bic pens. And Robin says, socks. I gave them to my dad. Remembering the moment in this light as the first present I ever gave makes it a happy memory. What's yours? What is the first gift you remember giving as a child? Here's our number, 877-548-3675.
I couldn't resist Gene and uh, Andy and little Vince in there for you. 877-548-3675. Tell me what first pops into your mind when you think of that. What I gave the first time. And uh, I asked Alex Kendrick this uh, yesterday after, Ryan, don't have a heart attack. I'm not going to make you play. <laughs> um, I asked Alex, do, do you remember anything? He said, ah, oh, the only thing that's coming to mind is when I was a teenager, I gave my mom <laughs> a... Uh, was it Six Flags? It was Six Flags Atlanta. Yeah. It was a it was a yearly pass and it was $25. They saved up. It's only $25. But that's what he get. What about you? Join in the fun today at the back fence. And let's see if your story doesn't lead us somewhere good. Like Emily, you can answer on Facebook too. Emily was in the seventh grade. I made pillowcases in home ec class from par- my parents. I was so excited for mom to open them and be surprised. Well, she wasn't surprised since she taught at the same school and then heard about them from from the home ec teacher. That was 1963, and I still remember. I made many other sewing and craft items for her. The last things I made for her were ornaments that she could have in her room in the nursing home where she lived the last six months of her life. I have all of the ones that I made for her on display in my home now. How about you? What was the first present you remember giving? We start with Mary Lynn in the great state of Washington. Hi, Mary Lynn. Hi. Oh, it's an honor to talk to you. I listen oh. to your show all the time. Oh, so uh, first gift I remember giving anyone would have been in about 1961 or 62. I would have been four or five years old. My father uh, was actually a U.S. Naval hero. He was a Navy Cross recipient among many other uh, awards he received when he was in the Navy. He was in for 30 years, and I was born after he retired. So I wasn't a Navy brat or anything like that, but I had huge respect for my dad because I, I heard all of his stories over and over again. And he was a hard hat diver. This was before scuba gear existed. It, he dove in the, the old-fashioned spun brass helmets that you see in the old movies. And... Um, on one of his operations diving, that was when he was eventually awarded the Navy Cross. That would have been about 1940 or 41. Wow. So I was with my mom at a five and dime store in our hometown, and I found a figurine that was intended to go into a, aquarium. a fish tank. Yeah. An aquarium. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean, because we had one of those and the bubbles came up from the top of it, right? (laughs) No, no, this is just a little porcelain figurine of a hard hat diver. And he's holding in his hand a knife, which um, I actually have my dad's knife that he carried when he was diving. And uh, I was overjoyed to find this, this hard hat diver to give my mom bought it for me to give to him 
and then I got to give it to him on Christmas. And he was so touched. He, you know, I was just a tiny little kid, but I understood the significance of what he had done. Mm. And he was thrilled with it. I was thrilled because he was thrilled. And um, he's been gone since 1982. But I still have that little diver in my china cabinet (laughs) and cherish it still. Uh, With the memory of, you know, I I brought tears to my dad's eyes over this little chunk of of junk that I talked mom into buying for me. (laughs) Right. And part of that is that, you know, he knew that you, you didn't, you didn't have any idea what he'd been through. You didn't know what he, you know, the the things that he had done, but you, there was something about him that you saw and that he saw you seeing him. And that's what we all just long for to be seen and to be really known and to be loved. Oh, that's it. Exactly. Oh my gosh. You just put it into words. That's exactly, I recognized something truly significant about him and he saw that I knew how important it was. Yes. Wow. I never thought about it quite that way. Well, I have to give a nod to York Moore and Gary Chapman because they wrote a book called seen known loved. So, so that, that comes from them, but I really believe that that story is exactly it. And, and now flip it on its head. What if you have a heavenly father who sees you, who knows you, who loves you, and who wants to give you that same kind of gift, although it's a priceless gift? Uh, I'll talk about that, develop that a little later on. But Marilyn, thank you. Great start today. What is the first gift you remember giving as a child? 877-548-3675. More straight ahead on Moody Radio. This is Chris Fabry live on Moody Radio. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We'll get right back to the stories here in just a moment. I've been talking about CareNet for the last few months. And with each guest who comes on, I generally ask in the break, have you ever heard of CareNet? And many have, some haven't. And my guess is there's probably somebody listening today who's never heard of CareNet. Do you know about the making life disciples that CareNet has developed? Basically, they are a pro-abundant life organization that tries to match churches with women who are in an unplanned pregnancy and men, if they're involved, uh, with the gospel. Because the real th- the real thing about abortion is y- it's a heart transformation that allows a person to say, no, I don't think I want to go that direction. And so CareNet has this church engagement initiative. You can find out more about it at the website. Click CareNet when you go to chrisfabrylive.org. There's a green button right there at the website, chrisfabrylive.org. Click CareNet today. I think it'll encourage you if you click CareNet at chrisfabrylive.org. Okay. Let's go to Terre Haute, Indiana. Margaret is on the line. The first gift you remember giving, Margaret, go. I remember getting my dad a tackle box. Ah, a fishing tackle box, right? Yes, yes. How long ago was this, Margaret? 
I guess I was younger than 10 years old. I really couldn't say. Yeah. Did he love to fish? Oh, yes. Him and my brothers would go fishing every year. Hmm. What did it look like? It was probably as wide as a keyboard for your computer, about maybe 10 inches high. And you open it up and it has like the layers in there, shelving yes. that you could put your stuff in there individually. That's the most fun. And it has the opening in the bottom. Right. All that the, he could use for when he went to fishing. Sinkers he had his own stuff all together right there for his lures. Yes. Oh, Margaret, you're getting His you're eyes getting just <laughs> got real big. <laughs> uh. Like that, that was the best thing he ever could, he could ever get. <laughs> yes. You know, I can remember my dad, uh, he had this lunchbox and he went to the uh-huh. plant and you know, he worked at the plant and he carried this lunchbox and we got so tired and we kept buying him new lunchboxes for Christmas and he'd never use them. <laughs> he liked mm-hmm. his old one, you know? Uh, but that is a great story about your dad's tackle box. And that's going to spark somebody else who's listening. I remember... Well, let's find out from June what you remember in Fort Myers, Florida. Hi, June. Why did you call today? Well, you know, I'm not the kind of person that can only have one memory, especially after you give me that great story. But I started out with what I got for Christmas when I was five. When I was five years old, I remember getting a rocking horse. And I was in love with horses from the time I was two. And I wanted a horse so bad. Well, my mom and dad got me this big Palomino rocking horse. And I remember putting on this fancy dress and sitting on that rocking horse and rocking and rocking. And the smile on my face, my mom said it was, they have a picture of me. And it, it, I was beaming with a giant candy cane in my hand, which of course is probably only about six inches long. But in my mind, it was as big as a house. And I was eating candy canes. And, and doing the, the rocking horse. And my mom said it was the first time in my whole life that I'd ever been naughty because she told me, Junie, don't eat so many candy canes. And I just ignored her. I, she said, I just kept eating them and grinning and rocking on that horse. And she said, I just couldn't stop you because it was so fun to watch you do that. So <laughs> that's, that's my first Christmas memory, which I couldn't resist that one. But then um, my second memory was a bicycle that my dad made for me. It was He made it for me. It was a hand-me-down bicycle that he got me from one of my nieces that had outgrown it. And, oh, it was so wonderful. He hand-painted it bright red. And it was just an ugly little bike. But I thought it was the most beautiful bicycle in the whole world. So then I wanted to do something special for my dad. And my dad always carried a cloth handkerchief in his pocket. Every day he had cloth handkerchiefs in his pocket. And I remember going to the store and they had little packages of three handkerchiefs with little pictures on the corners of them. And I was so excited because I was going to be able to get my dad this handkerchief, package of handkerchiefs. Well, I got him those handkerchiefs and, oh, he was so thrilled, so surprised. Mm. Um, (laughs) Just thrilled. Well. For every holiday from that day forward, I bought my dad a package of handkerchiefs. 
Now, it never occurred to me that his handkerchief drawer was overflowing. He had a million handkerchiefs in there, but I thought it was the coolest thing. Then when I got a little bit older, I thought, I know my dad wants a tie. You give men a tie. Now, it never occurred to me. My dad had never worn a tie that I had ever seen except at my sister's wedding. And then, you know, a thousand years later, my wedding. Those are the only two times in my life that I saw my dad wear a tie. But I had to buy him a tie. And he still acted like, oh, he was so thrilled to get this silly tie. Yes. Well, then the next Christmas thing that I remember was the one that still stays in my heart with kind of some pain. That um, Christmas, I wanted a bicycle. I was 13 years old, I think. And I wanted a bicycle. And I was so excited that I was going to get a bicycle. My mom and dad... You know, I was old enough that they said, yeah, we'll get you a bicycle. Christmas morning, I go to the tree, and there's the bicycle. And I I can't wait to see it because I know it's going to be this English racer with those little skinny wheels and the brakes on the handlebars, you know, and the, and where you can roll the wheel, the, the pedals backwards. I couldn't wait. I was so excited. And I get there, and there's this big grandma bicycle with the giant tires and the handlebars that are just straight instead of being all curled like an English racer was. And I was so disappointed. And, and I sat there and I'm still embarrassed. I'm still ashamed of myself. I, I kept telling myself, you should be thrilled. You should be happy. They got you the bicycle. And yet it wasn't what I wanted. And I was so selfish and so bratty that I just got quiet and and they my dad said what's the matter you don't like it and I wanted to say oh yeah thanks dad it's beautiful but instead I told him I said well I wanted an English racer bicycle and he went and the next day we went back to the bike shop and they traded it in but I remember the look on his face the disappointment on his face and yet he was you know, he didn't say anything disappointed or anything, yeah. but I yeah. saw that just a glance, a glimpse of that, that, oh, darn, you know, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's still to this day, you know, I'm getting teary eyed just thinking about it because it was, it was such a bratty thing to do. And I've, okay. I've always let me, tried let me, to remember Let me jump that. in here. Let me jump in here. You know, the next time you tell that story, when you get to that part and you're sitting on the couch. And you say, I, what I wanted, an English racer. You got to insert the uh-huh. East. And a little tear went down my cheek. And my dad got in his pocket and handed me his handkerchief. <laughs> no. That's the perfect end of that story. But you know what? I have a story exactly like that. And I think everybody does. Everybody, there is some nerve that is touched there when you say, I wasn't grateful because I was so... You know, I was I was focused on self. I was focused on what I yeah. wanted, and I didn't think about you know his feeling or what was going on in there. And I I said just a minute ago that you know to be seen, to be known, to be loved is the main thing that we really want, that we desire in life. And I want to talk about that as it relates to. God and what he has given. And I want to hear more of your stories. Again, you can answer on Facebook as well. Just go to chrisfabrylive.org. You can 
link through there. And June, thank you for that fantastic story about you and your dad and the bike and the handkerchief. Thanks so much for joining us at the Radio Backyard Fence. This is Chris Fabry Live, online at chrisfabrylive.org. Thanks for your support all this year, especially in December, a big month. You, you hear that. <laughs> you know that. If you can come alongside us and give a gift of any size, we'd love to have you do that to, even today. And uh, our thank you this month is the novel Saving Grayson. Just go to chrisfabrylive.org or call 866-95-FABRY. You can still use that number, 866-953-2279 or chrisfabrylive.org. And again, thank you for your generous support of the Radio Backyard Fence. We're talking about that first gift you gave as a child. And I told you this story of me in the night. You know, what I gave my mother was not of any practical help at all. It wasn't even a bobby pin. It was just this gaudy looking night that I thought she would like. And it became this joke between us then later on. But I really believe that if you look at this from God's perspective, that I think a lot of people think of of God as the one who will answer questions that we don't have. You know, I got all these questions that I want answered, but he's not answering any of the questions that, why, why did this happen in my life? What is going on over here? And God often does not give us what we want in life. He doesn't give us the comfort that we want, the ease that we want. He gives us struggle and we don't understand what's going on. But he gives us exactly what we need most. And, you know, I want a French bicycle. I got something, I got something else. It says in the, in the scripture that, that before the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. I used to think when I hadn't read the Bible that much, (laughs) I didn't know, you know, it was like, ah, we were so bad. People were so bad. And God had to come up with a plan is what is he going to do is well, my son, I'll send my son to give give him as a ransom. But if you look carefully, this was not plan B or C or D. It was plan A. It was the one that God thought of in, in the counsel of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from before the foundation of the world that would bring the most glory to him that would at the same time, give you and me what exactly what we needed the most, and that is the righteousness of Jesus is on us. I get to claim for myself the righteousness of Christ, not because I've been a good person, you know, not because I got the right gift or always obeyed or anything, simply because he gave it to me. He provided that for me. He gave me exactly what I needed because he sees me, he knows me, he loves me. And I'll tell you this, he, he feels the same way about you. Wherever you are in life with the mistakes that you have made and that great story about the dad, and I wasn't as thankful as I ought to be, 
God understands that. God understands that because he he became one of us. Jesus was one of us. He understands all the things that we're going through and the stress that you have today. And I'm just glad that we have this space that we could slow down a little bit and remember that here a couple of weeks before Christmas. This is why we celebrate that God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And if that sparks something inside of you, if you've always been living thinking, gee, I hope I make it to heaven. I don't know if I'm going to be able to outweigh the, the bad in my life with good things that, I, that I've done. That's not how you get there. <laughs> That's not how you're justified. You're justified because of what God did in your place. He died and then rose to new life. And if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, is the Lord, and has been risen from the dead, God will come in and, and change you. At the top and bottom of chrisfabrylive.org is How to Know Christ and Knowing Christ. And if you go there, you can read more about what I was just talking about. Randy's in Idaho. Randy, thanks a lot for hanging on. Go right ahead. Hey, Chris. Yeah, I, I remember when I was probably six or seven, I I seen these boots in a local shoe store, and uh, they reminded me of my mom because she was born and raised up in Alaska, and, and uh, these boots had the fake fur on them, and, and I thought, these look just like the traditional mucklucks that she, she wore growing up, but I just had to get them for her. So I bought them for her and put them under the tree, and that Christmas she opened them up, and her eyes lit up, and <laughs> she said, that's, that's just wonderful. And uh, little did I know, this uh, little four-foot, ten-and-a-half gal, uh, her feet never did fit on them. <laughs> and uh, it was about 25 years later, I found out, she had to wear three or four pairs of socks just to just to wear them. But she said they're my favorite. Uh, now there's a mother's love right there, Randy. You know the old song about the you know you have the last piece of pie, and my mom never got the piece of pie because she always gave to us. Your mother put on extra pairs of socks, and she exactly. and, and you know why she loved those boots is because it probably brought brought back memory for her. But she loved you, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think she wore them out. Yeah. I'm so glad you got through Randy. Thank you for calling in today. Grace is in Iowa. Grace, tell me your story. Well, growing up, um, my sisters and I would watch Roy Rogers and Dale Evans after we got home from school and for Christmas, um, at our dime store, there was a, a thick, Roy Rogers and Dale Evans coloring book. And I remember buying that for my sister, Mary, and, and she remembers that. And, you know, she let, let us color in it too. And I had to text her uh, when I heard your, uh, what the subject was and ask her what, if she has a memory of the first gift that she had ever bought. And she said that she had bought what she thought was chocolate-covered cherries for my mom, but it turned out to be a box of candy cigarettes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and one of us girls had bought a bottle of you know perfume for mom, 
And it was just a tiny little bottle, but mom lived to be 90, but you know, even in her 80s yet, she had that tiny little bottle of perfume in her dress, top dresser drawer. Yes. <laughs> she, she just couldn't bring herself to use it. And that, isn't that- and- See, isn't it and that in the and the boots, you know, and the perfume and and uh, the little night that I bought, they hang on to these because it's they know it's more than just the articles, more than just the little bottle, more than just the night on the the plastic night. There is a connection that they have with you and the memory of the innocence of the child. Uh, and even right. the, and how many people have a story like that? You know, I thought what was in the box was this, and it turned out to be something else. Grace, right. Merry Christmas! Yeah. Thank yeah. you for sharing your yes, story thank today. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you too. Okay. Uh, Christine wrote: I formed, painted, and shellacked a small ashtray for my grandfather, even though we were always trying to discourage his smoking. <laughs> uh, Diana said. A Santa, the first gift I ever gave was a Santa I made out of a small gourd in my scouting group. My mother displayed it every year for more than 60 years. Now, why do you think she did that? She displayed it for six decades. It's because, it's not because of the gourd and the Santa, it's because of Diana. Thomasine, a brooch from my grandmother's coat was the first thing that I bought. You know what that just made me think of is uh, Anna Green Gables. Remember the brooch that Marilla lost on the coat? You know, she had it on the coat, and she thought Anne took it, and then she found it, and how bad Marilla felt. Adrienne says, I felt bad that my mom hardly got anything for Christmas, so I wrapped up a bunch of my stuff and <laughs> gave it to her. Cindy remembers gathering little gifts from around her house, wrapping them and putting them in her next-door neighbor's mailbox attached to the house, and they dropped into their living room. I was very young. Kathy says, I get, the first gift I gave was a pin of many colors, P-I-N, for my mom. I made it in Girl Scouts when I was in the third or the fourth grade. She always kept it in her jewelry box. I was thankful for that. It was hideous. <laughs> the colors were hideous that I chose, but she kept it. It was dear to her. You have a heavenly father who looks at your life and sees not all the mistakes that you made, but that you are dear to him. So dear that he gave his one and only son for you, that gift of great price. Get close to him, draw near to him. In these next couple of weeks, we're going to play some programs for you that I think will help you do that. So come on back to the Radio Backyard Fence. God bless you, friend. Merry Christmas. Thanks for your stories. Chris Fabry Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Have a great weekend.